Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. The New York Knicks ending a seven-game losing streak against Los Angeles Clippers. They had a fantastic opportunity to do it a game earlier against the Suns, but we're not going to harp on the loss, Alex, because this was a great weekend for the New York Knicks. It's the story of the kids, right? Like, play the kids. That is it. This game fully demonstrated that. You have R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Manuel Quickly, Miles McBride, uh, Mitchell Robinson, like Jericho Sims, everybody that was basically 23 years of age and under going off. We're going to talk about all of them next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more odds, props, and scores than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. And remember, we are now on YouTube. So if you have not checked out our smiling faces yet, please go ahead and do so because uh, it helps us out. And uh, you think you'll have fun doing it. Uh, anyways, I'm Gavin Shaw, a play by play broadcaster in the midst broadcasting the Long Island Basketball Championships and in two weeks, the New York State Basketball Championships. You can check that out on the NFHS Network. He is Alex Wolf. Much more relevant to what we do here, the editor-in-chief of the greatest Knicks website out there, the Strickland, and very relevant to the Strickland success. The Knicks finding some success this weekend. Alex, uh, a brutal, heartbreaking loss to the Suns. That was overall a pretty well-played, fun game. And, and if you're if your team tank, uh, that was... Maybe for some people, the worst way for it, for it to happen. Me as a, as a side Suns fan, that was the best way for it to happen. And then an absolute decimation of the Los Angeles Clippers. The, the, the game was going so well that Mike Breen almost had a heart attack when the Knicks lead was merely 12 points. Yeah, let's just like wipe that Suns one out of memory. I, I knew that we were at the certain point of the season when that one just didn't even register for me. I wasn't mad. I wasn't anything i was just kind of like whatever i'm going to bed <laughs> like uh but this game you know we're recording this pod at like you know well into the night here and uh i'm still wide awake baby this game was fantastic uh you know i i think gavin i'll throw it to you with just a, a quick question to start this show off this game fully dispels the notion that the veterans do anything to affect winning more than any of the players under 23 years old on this team now, right? Um, I mean, I think, well, do you mean like, give, give me like a specific example. You're saying like Miles McBride over Julius Randle or, or you're just saying collectively, basically. Let's say what one thing that I think lost the Phoenix game here, I am saying I, we weren't going to talk about it, but yeah. one thing I think lost the Phoenix game late in the game you know, Cam Reddish still had fairly fresh legs. He was playing really good down the stretch of that game. Tibbs, because of his stubborn substitution patterns, says, you know what this team needs right now? More Evan Fournier. 
and throws him in there for the final, I don't know, four or five minutes of the game. And the Knicks completely cough it up during that time. And Alec Burks and Evan Fournier miss a number of defensive rotations. And the Knicks end up losing the game because Tibbs had to go to his veteran security blankets. Whereas in this game, he plays that young lineup, the, the lineup that started the fourth and, you know, took the the life support, you know, 12 point lead that had once been like a 26 point lead or whatever. And, you know, ballooned it back up to almost 30 again with Deuce McBride, uh, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Reddish and Jericho Sims or Mitchell Robinson. You know, all these guys, 23 and under, and all of them contributed way more both to the development of this team, but also just to actually winning this game than any of the veteran players did. Yeah, so here's where I'm at on that. I think we we know for sure that the reliance solely on the veterans is utterly destructive to the Knicks' present and future. I can say that very definitively. And, and when you play the groups in conjunction, and we still haven't seen – a ton of that. Like I was writing down in my notes in this Clippers game, man, I'd, I'd love to see Evan Fournier honestly get some run in a lineup with Quinn, with, um, with Emmanuel quickly, uh, with Cam Reddish, with RJ Barrett, with Mitchell Robinson, like, like give him that kind of verve around him. And he's, he would get just far more open shots than he's gotten all year. And he's still been one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. Because when we talk about the vets, right at this point, we're, we're, we're talking about three, there are three left standing, right? It's, it's Evan Fournier, it's Alec Burks and, and Julius Randle. Maybe I'm, I'm, PTSDing someone out of my head, but but those are the three that I, I remember are currently playing, and uh, and it's it's such a mixed bag with those guys on night to night basis. Like Burks, I think honestly has been awesome these last two games. He's been a big reason things have looked so smooth. Fournier has his moments, and then to your point, he has moments where it's like you you cannot justify him being on the court. Julius was transcendent against Phoenix, and then he got ejected, and then he sucked the whole game against uh, the Clippers. So they are very very up and down. What is Beyond evident is that the Knicks can have success with their young guys. They are certainly better when they mix in the young guys with their starters. And what we've known the whole time, undeniably, it is far, far better for the Knicks future to play their young guys, both for their development. And so you have a gauge of what you have going into the offseason. Tibbs finally followed that logic and the results were spectacular. Yeah, I think that's basically what I'm getting at. Like, I'm certainly not saying like never play the veteran guys, which again, yeah, to your point, it is only like three at this point. It's pretty much, it's like, we're playing like hunger games and they're getting knocked off one by one. But you know, it it sort of seems like they should continue getting knocked off, you know, to the point where I I think that we should start seeing their minutes go down and down and down. Because if these are guys that you think, you know, I, I actually agree. I think that Evan Fournier has utility and he is going to be a part of this team next year. I think, I don't think that they're going to, unless, they find themselves, you know, in the mix for like Jalen Brunson or something, and they need to get rid of Fournier uh, just to free up that money. I don't know necessarily that they're going to do that because I think that he's actually playing quite well and and playing pretty much up to his contract lately outside of that one really big stinker game recently. Um, Burke, same deal. You know, I think that he fairly consistently plays up to his contract, especially when he's played in his actual on his actual position and his actual role. Uh, and Julius Randle, you know, has his moments too, where he he looks still like the player of last year. But I think the big thing is just like, you don't lose anything by taking them off the, the court. So there, there shouldn't be this stubborn over-reliance on, I mean, even in this game, you, you still come away with 29 minutes of Julius Randle, 29 minutes of Evan Fournier, 26 minutes of Alec Burks. Like why not start capping all their minutes, put them in semi bubble wrap and just start playing the young players because 
it's not really affecting the bottom line. The Knicks look the best they've looked all year in this game when they had that young lineup out there and they were just like running, 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 attacking the hoop, attacking the hoop over and over, like not even really looking to shoot threes that much. They were just, I mean, all those guys, Cam, Quickly, RJ, were just relentlessly getting after the hoop in this game and, you know, getting inside and creating looks for themselves and others. And it was just like beautiful modern basketball. And I, I don't understand why the, you know, Tibbs can't just be like, you know, hey, let's let's do that more. <laughs> let's like try to have some fun. I don't know. Let's like maybe I'll make my bosses happy. You know, my job is probably on life support at this point, but maybe make it so I can actually see the end of the season. Because at this point, you know, we've talked about a million times what it would take for us to fire Tibbs at this point, And we were ready to fire him weeks ago. Uh, but you know, it seems like he's probably going to make it to the end of the season, but I would argue that if he doesn't keep playing guys like Deuce McBride and, and Reddish and, you know, Sims and all those guys, 20 plus minutes a game, like at a certain point, even if there's only 10, 15 games left, I would cut bait with him because it, those guys, you need to keep giving a look. You need to keep giving reps. The season is lost. Like get them the minutes they need and, and get them some time on the floor together. So they can start building chemistry for next year when, Maybe things might actually matter, uh, and, and you know things could potentially be trending in a better direction for the Knicks. Yeah, and Alex, you know if if they just all eat some built bars over the off season, then I think it's a guarantee that the Knicks will have some success. Yeah, you know it's it, it's pretty much the time when most people have given up on New Year's resolutions right now. Uh, I don't think that many of the young Knicks, particularly like R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, have given up on their resolutions getting better this year. I haven't given up on my resolution of getting better with what I eat and how I snack this year either because I've been eating lots of Bilt Bars. They're a fantastic snack. And I tell you what, if you haven't tried Puffs yet, you should try Bilt Bar Puffs. They are really, really good. They taste like a protein-infused marshmallow, which is not something that I ever thought I'd be saying. Uh, would be available to me after eating chalky, gross protein bars for years. But it's the truth. They have incredible flavors. There's like yummy cinnamony churro. They got coconut marshmallow, which you already know is one of my favorites. Banana cream pie. They're all so tasty. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate and have just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs with a whopping 17 grams of protein in a marshmallow. You're eating a marshmallow bar. It's got 17 grams of protein in it. It is insane. So good. And at Bilt Bar, they're all about the taste. They make sure to make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they always pull it off. So if you want to get some Bilt Bars for yourself, go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, Gavin, we are... Going to get into some more stuff about this game. Uh, you know, we were discussing it before we started recording as to what player we were going to get into first. We couldn't decide. So having the ball in my court, I'm going to just throw it to you and say, good luck, buddy. Pick out which which of the amazing young players you want to talk about first in this game. Oh, man, this was like uh, R.J. Barrett throwing it to Emmanuel quickly, 30 feet away from the basket with the shot clock expiring and saying, it's all you. Um, but ironically or maybe unironically I don't know I always misuse that word um I am going to start with Emmanuel quickly who I think maybe had his best game of the season I'd have to go back and look but I can't imagine he's done much better than 21 points 10 rebounds six assists in just 28 minutes eight of 15 from the field three of five from three two for two from the foul line and it just 
I, I don't know about you, Alex, but to me, it felt like the swagger was just fully back from him coming off a Suns game where he was really solid, where he was getting to the rim, where he hit that big three with just over two minutes left that probably should have been the dagger, but wasn't because the Knicks couldn't make their free throws and Cam Johnson is, is just ridiculous. Um, but we, we don't have to talk about that. Uh, I thought he was, I mean, he was just aggressive, like in transition, like he was hunting people, trying to get to the rim, trying to find a body and get to the free throw line early on, like nailing that long two that I think was converted to a three by the scorekeepers in Zubach's face, banking in that other three. Like he, he just played with zero fear in this game. And I thought, I thought it was infectious. Honestly, I thought what we saw Cam Reddish do in the third quarter, what we saw uh, RJ Barrett do in the second quarter or sorry, Cam Reddish in the fourth um, were both products of Emmanuel quickly starting off in the first and just, coming out and kicking ass. And I think honestly, a lot of it is sort of having the, the Kemba, um, the Kemba of it all out of the way. And like, again, nothing about Walker as an individual, but just the fact that he had to play 22 minutes a game. And it felt like quickly, whenever he was in was really pressing because he's like, all right, I know like no matter how I play, I'm only going to get so much time. Uh, so let me, let me just try and like score as many points as possible in this limited amount of time. And it just, it wasn't working for him. And he was clearly in his head. I mean, the, the biggest, like, I, I don't even think I realized that he was still shooting this well from the free throw line. He's at 92% from the foul line. Uh, Brian Custer tried to jinx him on the ESPN broadcast, but he still made, I think now 21 in a row. Like the guy is a bonafide shooter. He should not have been hitting 33% of his threes all season. That tells you to such an extent that I, I think to some degree, he was a microcosm of this Knicks entire season. And, and he was kind of putting on himself. This team struggles and was just very, very much in his own head. And, and my hope is we're seeing him break out of it because he looked like, the best version of himself from last year, but one who's just stronger and more athletic and, and, and frankly better than that guy. Yeah. And how about, I mean, I thought the most impressive thing, the shooting was awesome, but the best thing to me, and we, it, you know, it, we should like put one in the, put a, put a quarter in the jar for saying this, like for the millionth time this year, but like the most impressive thing was him getting inside and finishing inside. It's, you know, I thought that was the, really the bread and butter of the team in this game, you know, and, and, IQ was a big part of it was getting inside, establishing pressure at the rim. You know, even if you're not making every single one of them presenting a threat, getting to the rim. And that's what quickly was doing. How about quickly five games prior to this game? So this doesn't even include this game yet. Uh, 22 minutes per game was shooting 51%, 44.4% from three. Uh, as you noted, a, a thousand or a hundred percent rather from the free throw line, uh, batting a thousand. Uh, for averages of 14 points, four boards, and two assists per game going into this game. And that can only have gone up after this one. So, you know, yeah, I would say that the quickly of last year seems to be back and then some because I think that, that those point guard skills are really showing through. He had he had one really great transition dime get taken away by a so-so offensive foul call uh, on R.J. Barrett where he just sort of like pinpoint like whipped it to him uh, in transition, had a number of other good passes, had some nice lobs uh, to Jericho Sims. And I think he might add one to Mitch too. I forget, but you know, it was really slinging it around, finding a lot of different guys, uh, but also was creating, you know, a lot of different looks for himself, had some mid range takes. I don't remember if he made one, but I, I made a mental note that he took one, which is a good thing to see a pull up mid range shot is a, a definite weapon for quickly. If he can develop it, uh, you know, was popping threes from wherever he felt like. And then, of course, instead of going to the floater, which was the trademark last year, it, just committing to just getting all the way to the hoop, taking contact, 
you know, trying to finish through it and and having himself a great game that way. So I loved everything about Quickly's game. Alex, real quick, can you remember a two-game stretch where he's gotten to the rim this much? Because, like, this season or last season, I, I don't think there's ever been one. No, probably not. And this is what we've been, like, begging for. You know, it's like yeah. we're like the uh, – that little like SpongeBob reaction video. The, that's what we've been waiting for. It's what we wanted the whole time. Um, that's us right now. You know, it's like, this is what we've been waiting for from him. Just like certain things we're waiting for from RJ Barrett. And maybe some things we're waiting for from Cam Reddish. Um, I feel like that's the guy that we should talk about next. I mean, you want to talk about putting the team on his back when they needed him, you know, that we've brought it up a couple times now, but you know, Mike Breen started to like have an aneurysm because the Knicks league got down to 12. And I honestly, I started thinking about, well, there's the writing on the wall, you know, there's the third quarter collapse. Like here comes a nice little eight Oh run for, for the Clippers to start the fourth quarter. And then the Knicks just kind of slowly, you know, it just crapped the lead away the rest of the way down, but didn't happen in large part because Cam Reddish had, I think it was eight points, uh, all by himself, like a solo 8-0 run or something similar to that uh, to start the fourth quarter. And I think the Knicks scored he like scored Alex, points. he scored 11 points in the opening four and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. There we go. And I think it was like eight points in the first like two minutes or something. I mean, it was, it was yeah. something crazy like that. You know, he came out ready to play in that fourth quarter. And, you know, I love the looks we were getting from him too. The the three-pointer, you know, I think he took one that was a little a little wonky in the, the first half. But mostly was taking them straight up and down, like set feet, you know, and hopefully that's some developmental influence coming from like Johnny Bryant and stuff being like, dude, get your feet set. Stop kicking your feet around like they're, you know, like you're a wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man or whatever. But, you know, in reverse, um, you know, because his, his footwork was not great uh, on a lot of his shots. You could see from his old Atlanta tape, too. But in this game was just kind of like chill, you know, taking those shots. He. He did try like three times to do a, a jump stop and came down one, two with his feet, which, you know, got him called for a couple of travels late. But otherwise, I thought he played a really clean game, had some really nice moves, uh, had, I think, probably the move of the game. I think they highlighted as the play of the game on the MSG broadcast of him kind of um, getting to the inside and just taking a very long leap across the paint and then finishing with his right hand on a nice scoop layup. That was beautiful. Um, you know, it's there's some really tantalizing things with this kid. And that like, again, play the kids down the stretch. He's, he's one of the main reasons, you know, it's like, it seems like Cam Reddish of all guys is not someone that you want to put out there cold for seven minutes a game. You know, I think you got to find 15, 20 minutes, let him find a groove. And when he does games like this are, are ones where he can really show what he's got. And hopefully he can start developing some consistency because I was out of all the guys in this game. I mean, we've seen this from quickly before we've seen this from RJ before, at least in a Knicks uniform, this is the first time seeing Cam Reddish like this, and I, I really liked it. He looked like a potential like game-breaking talent out there. No, I think I think it's a great point. And and when I mean, I, I think it was two pods ago. I was going over some of his over/under numbers on the Knicks and just how horrible they are, how bad his efficiency has been. And while saying like you still you still see the moments, right? And and I, I was still liking what he was doing. And it felt like he needed more time. He just needed the right game for it all to come together. And I mean, first against the Suns, which was uh, ended preemptively by Tibbs. And then against the Clippers, it's all come together. And the thing is, like, all, all these guys have flashes, right? All Pretty much all young players in the NBA, unless they're just really, really, really bad, have flashes. Because if you make it into the NBA, you're really talented. So many guys who wash out of the league have a great game 
here or there. The difference with Cam is his flashes are better than most people's flashes, right? Like, like just abnormal stuff. We can, we can go back to the Forbidden Suns tape and say, uh, like, he just dusted twice in the fourth quarter, uh, Cam Johnson and then Mikael Bridges and, and guys like who had like pretty solid closeouts on him. And he was just too long, too quick, too good on that crossover, got all the way to the rim. I mean, to your point, the, the shot on Kennard, it looked like the the legendary Julius Irving reverse layup, like not quite as good, but there was a little bit of that there, like his combination of length and shooting. And he can also play defense at, when, when he's locked in one-on-one. He's fantastic playing passing lanes, like literally one of the best in the NBA at doing that. He's not a bad passer by any means. I mean, going back to his high school days, that was one of the main appeals of him that he could pass that size. And to your point, when he has his feet set, he, he can clearly shoot. Like his, his foul line numbers are indicative of a guy who potentially a great shooter down the road. And he's still super duper young. I, for the Knicks not to want to bet on this guy and invest minutes in him is insanity because RJ Barrett is maybe getting to that point with, with some of the athletic pop he's showing. But outside of that, there's just no one in the same category from like a pure athletic freak perspective. And that's how you win. That's how you win NBA titles. You accumulate as many of those guys as humanly possible. No, I'm not. I'm not saying Cam's going to be an all-star. I'm not even saying he's going to be like a long-term starter in the NBA. But if you're the Knicks and you've been struggling for 20 years now to find dudes like that, you owe it to yourself to find out if he can be some somewhat in that range or, or at least have moments where he is. And at, at least now they seem like they're on their path to doing just that. But if you want to bet on Cam Reddish making a future all-star team, I don't know if they have futures that far out, but they have plenty of other odds you should check out Bet online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information you so desire. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, uh, Alex, it's, it's indicative of how well this next weekend went that we are now 23 minutes in or so. We have not talked about Mitchell Robinson, who shot 14 of 16 over these two games and got maybe a million offensive rebounds. We haven't talked about R.J. Barrett, who had another great game against the Clippers. We could also talk more about Cam Reddish. Where, where do you want to go? Yeah, you know, maybe we should give Mitch some shine. I mean, it's it, it's almost unfair that we want to write the Suns uh, game off, or at least I did, because that does kind of ignore the fact that despite the painfulness of the the way that that game, you know, went down, Mitch was probably, I mean, I think the maybe the best player on the floor. I mean, for either team, I, he was really good. Uh, 17 points, 15 boards, uh, a career high tying four steals and three blocks and eight of eight shooting. I mean, he just like murdered DeAndre Ayton in this game. I, you know, for as good as DeAndre Ayton is and as, <laughs> maybe Mitch listened to like our pod. <laughs> Uh, I wrote that in my notes. I was like, did he listen to the pod? (laughs) From like a few weeks ago being like, oh, it'd be such a huge upgrade, blah, blah, blah. You know, pay pay DeAndre Ayton another $10 million. It's worth it. Like, yeah, maybe not. Bus driver, you go on this podcast? Yeah, right. (laughs) He's talking to Berman. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I thought that he had a fantastic game in that one. Uh, And then obviously in in this game as well, I I thought that he was no slouch too. Um, You know, ending up with... 12 points, 11 boards, two blocks and a steal, six of eight shooting, uh, a rather 
if I, don't, I won't call it concerning, just kind of sad 0 of 6 from the free throw line because he did a really good job of like generating contact on some offensive rebounds on putback dunks and stuff to earn those free throws and then just couldn't convert on any of them. Did, did you uh, but hear that's Mark a, Jackson's line about that? Is that we're, we're I, I didn't because I watched MSG. I don't like Mark Jackson, but <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, he he uh, Mitch gave sort of a disgusted look after he he missed the first one, and Mark Jackson's like, "You're not allowed to give that look if you're a 50 percent free throw shooter." You, 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 what, what did you expect? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I would hope that Mitch could hit more, but yeah, it is what it is with him. I guess I feel like it's almost lucky that he's a 50 percent free throw shooter at this point, based off how some of these shots go. It but feel like uh, a point flip every time. It's just a line. Yeah. It could go in. It could be four feet away. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it makes it makes it that much more laughable that we were talking about him generating a three point shot at some point or another. But um, anyway, the, I, I guess it's possible for anybody. I don't know. Some guys that I never thought would have three point shots do now. So, uh, but Mitch doing the things that he does well, I think, has just been fantastic these last couple games. Um, you know, just walling off the paint providing the the defensive you know in it, like the defensive final line of defense that he has always provided but also as you you know briefly mentioned which I'll throw it to you to talk about the offensive rebounding I think it's just been like transcendent lately and just the rebounding in general is fantastic but specifically with the offensive rebounding between him and Jericho Sims like they got some special special talents uh, as far as offensive rebounding right now on this team I mean, are we what a podcast removed from me talking about Mitch not being on my dream Knicks team a year from now? I when I when I see this version of him, uh, I can't imagine not having him on the team next year, right? And and that's the issue is that sometimes like tonight, that effortless athleticism that defined the first two years of his NBA career, a, a good chunks of the first three years of his NBA career, it was it was back in full. Like he just jumped so easily, but he still had the strength that he's added this offseason to finish through uh, Avika Zubac or Marcus Morris on one play, just grabbing his arm and he still got a layup and, and he, he showed off improved touch. Like he got like this little one foot push shot over Deandre Ayton that I've almost never seen him take before. He had the play where he sprinted down the court, got the interception and then went between his legs twice and just dribbled through a couple of suns. I've never seen that from him before. So it, it's the old Mitch combined with the new Mitch. I mean, my, my favorite moment maybe from either of these two games was when campaign had seemingly a wide open shot at the elbow, and Mitch flew out of nowhere to block. I was like, yeah, there we go. That was the guy that we fell in love with. When we were opening this show saying, hey, we're locked on Mitch every single day. Like that was that was that guy. And it was so great to see him again. I mean, crazy stat from Jonathan Macri. This was the fifth time in 10 games that he's had at least eight offensive rebounds. That's not normal. There are, there are all-star bigs who do not have a single game every season with eight offensive rebounds. It's just crazy, crazy production when he's locked in and when he's, but he's on point. And, and, and to your point, Alex, like we always talk about Mitch, especially this year, is sort of a bully. Like he'll he'll play up against horrible competition, then he'll disappear against the best in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton, one of the best in the NBA, and Mitch wrecked him. And that was really good to see. But again, for the Knicks to have any idea of what he's worth and for him to get what he's potentially worth, there just has to be some consistency down the stretch of the season because that's that's been the biggest thing with him. Yeah, for sure. And I mean – this, that's to say nothing too. Like Zubats is no slouch either, and Zubats yeah. actually a great rebounder in his own right. So, I mean, yeah, it it it's been really encouraging to see what Mitch has been doing lately. Um, to move to our next guy here, RJ Barrett. Let's just talk about him. I mean, first off, can we talk about a plus thirty six in thirty three minutes? The closest starter to him 
was Burks with a plus four. And that's mostly because RJ got to be there for the best. So Tibbs' sub pattern with RJ, actually, if all the things that I've hated about what Tibbs has done this year, lately I've been kind of liking it. It reminds me a lot of what he was doing last year when he would sub Julius out first. Now it's been RJ comes out first, so then RJ can come back like end of the first quarter even or like beginning of the second quarter and lead that second unit of all the young guys like him, Cam Reddish, Deuce, uh, IQ, and either Sims or Mitch easily like the most like fun bonanza of a lineup that I think that the Knicks have had this whole year. It's just like they just never stop. It's just constant motion and the defense are just like switchy as hell and disrupting passing lanes and it's just oh, just a beautiful, beautiful lineup. And that contributed to RJ having that enormous plus minus in just the 33 minutes there. Uh, shout out to Deuce McBride, too, with a plus 27 in 18 minutes, which is crazy. Um, but, like, I, I just – I guess there's not too much different to talk about with RJ in this game, except for, like, I liked that – you know, they, they talked about this on the MSG broadcast, you know, that he's not – he there's no one higher on the totem pole than him anymore. And he finally knows that now, and he's finally playing like it. Like, they acknowledged, like, I think it was Breen was talking about it. He's like, you know, the thing with RJ is, like, he he's playing like he's the top guy now. And, you know, he's not letting anybody else's presence on the team hamper anything that he wants to do, including Julius Randle. And then Breen, of course, made a point to say, like, you know, last year it was warranted. Like, Randle was amazing. He was, uh, you know, second team All-NBA, all this other stuff. But, like, this year... Randall has regressed some and now RJ is kind of like finding his own stride and suddenly he knows like this is his spot now. Like this is this is his team, basically. And I, I've been liking seeing that out of him. And, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum lately and we'll probably continue to talk about it because it's the best storyline to finish this next season off with is him turning into this like alpha star type player. But, you know, I just love the way that he's going about business, even in this game, you know, for as great as his three-point shot has been recently, he wasn't relying on it at all because he just knew that he had barbecue chicken on him every single time. Like, like you know, he would have Robert Covington, who is a was a great defender at one point in his life, but clearly has fallen off some. And he would be on RJ, and RJ would just be like, okay, like <laughs> I'm just going to take you off the dribble every single time because you don't have that quickness to keep up with me anymore. So I'm going to get by you, and I'm going to draw a foul, or I'm going to you know just finish through contact or – even just finish in general and not get a foul call, which there were a couple that RJ got his second technical of the year because there was one where he clearly got like hacked, hacked in transition and didn't get a call again. And the refs uh, uh, teed him up for that one. But you know, it's, it's like, he's just, he's becoming that dude in front of our eyes and best stat for me in this one, seven to seven from the free throw line. You know, that's, that's his swing skill at this point because we now know he can get inside. He can generate the contact. He can finish through the contact. He can hit the three-pointers, both off the dribble and, you know, stationary. All he needs to do to become that, like, next-level potential, like, 25-point-per-game score, which sounds crazy to say, but all he has to do is start hitting, like, 80% of his free throws instead of, like, 65 to 70%. And all of a sudden, you know, that's three, four extra points for him a game, and he starts hitting that upper echelon of potential scoring talents in the NBA, so... Another big game for him, another big, you know, the Suns game wasn't great for him, so not a great weekend for him, but I, I loved him in this Clippers game for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, he's turning into an alpha in front of our eyes. What do what, what the best wings in the NBA do? The Luka Doncic's, the LeBron James, they play matchup ball all game long. They say, all right, who's the weakest defender on the other team? Who do I need to call up to set a screen to get that guy on me? Oh, if they if they try and switch it, if they try to scram out of it, who's going to be wide open in, in that situation? And it just it's playing it's playing chess. And those guys are the best in the world at it because they're physically overwhelming. They can both shoot from three. They can both finish inside, and they're both transcendent passers. Right? RJ doesn't check out check off all those boxes quite yet, but he is playing that style. Like he he in in the second quarter again and again and again he generated switches against Avika Zubac and he tortured Zubac right beat him to the rim over and over and over again even when he missed it took Zubac out of the play and no one else in the Clippers had a had a chance in hell at boxing out Mitchell Robinson so Mitchell Robinson just just cleaned up anything that was off but for the most part RJ was getting there and, and finishing and I I just think I mean this is this is an evolution like I'm I was I've been a doubter for a long time of RJ Barrett I'm. I'm not anymore. Like I, I believe in this guy. Like I, I do think he can be whether, whether the next star for the next means he makes an all-star team in his career. And he's just, he's just a very good starter. And he's the third or fourth guy in a title team, or if it means he's the first or second best guy in a title team, I don't know yet. And that's part of the fun that we'll get to find out, but the Knicks, the Knicks have a dude to build around. And that, that's saying that after the sun's game where he just shot horrifically, even in that game, there were all these little flashes and just, just of confidence like him, like literally, like uh, remember, like quickly booty jail a year ago. He put he put Jay Crowder, who's who's a strong dude and a fantastic defender, in booty jail before going all the way to the rim uh, for a layup. Like, he he's doing this against good defenders. He's doing this against bad defenders. He's just becoming that guy in front of our eyes. And it's it's the if that's what comes out of this next season for everything horrible we've gone through this year. This season was worth it because the Knicks, again, haven't had that dude since Mello, and they haven't had it in a guy they've drafted since Patrick Ewing. Yeah, yeah, it would it would definitely be what I would consider a success too because I mean he's he he's not just he's he's not just like showing flashes anymore. It's it's literally just every single game, like you said. And I, I you know when you mentioned it, I noticed it a lot more in this game too. And I forgot to bring it up when I was talking about it initially, but he did. I mean, he was hunting those switches in this game. I mean, he was just constantly being like, "All right, Sims, come here," and Sims. Sims is really smart too. Like I really like I like how he sets screens more than I like Mitch even in that regard because Sims knows like what the screen is supposed to do and he plans accordingly. So like if he knows that it's basically just to generate that switch, he's coming up there and he sets it so quick and then just evacuates. I mean, he is like 10 feet away by the time that, you know, RJ is like ready to make his first dribble, you know. And Mitch sometimes the processing takes a little longer with those, but like Sims was so good at that, and and that was what kept getting RJ these mismatches that he just kept feeding on. And, you know, I the main thing for me, and I guess this will be like my closing point on this, uh, on this game as a whole, like this game to me demonstrated, you know, some really fun concepts that the Knicks can toy with the rest of this year, which is like RJ at the four was really dangerous because then there's so many guys that are mismatches for him on the floor at that point. Even his own man potentially is, is a huge mismatch. You know, if he can generate just like not even a switch, you know, just generate an ISO for himself. Um, so I hope that once like Obi comes back that we don't never see that again, you know, uh, with RJ at the four. And I'm also just like dying to see Quentin Grimes with some of these lineups too. Um, so I, I ha- finally have a little bit of excitement in me for the rest of this year. I don't know about you. I was I was really dwindling before this game. It was really starting to leave my body, like my soul leaving my body 
for the rest of the year. But my soul returned in this game. And, and as long as Tibbs doesn't actively keep these guys on the bench or whatever, which it seems like finally, finally, he is making the switch to playing these these younger players. I think we've got a lot of cool things to look forward to for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. It feels like he's been listening to the pod and he was like, oh, Grimes, Reddish, and, and RJ together? That that sounds pretty cool. Uh, let's, Well, we can't try Grimes now, but let's just throw IQ and Deuce out there with him. I mean, that was the group that went on that big, was it 14-0, 16-0 run mm-hmm. in the second quarter and, and was just was just thrilling. I mean, the, the switchability on defense with those guys and the activity. And, and I love right now, whenever you get IQ sprinting into a dribble handoff with RJ because we're, we're just used to this offense being lifeless all year, right? And like an apathetic for long stretches and, and all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, they're, they're young and they're fast and they're skilled. And, and, and I mean, the underrated part of RJ at the four means you, you have four shooters out there at a time, right? Because Randall um, son's game aside is no longer really a shooter. And, and, and that spacing just, it just makes things easier for everyone. I mean, I think that's part of Cam Reddish's success getting all the way to the rim. That's part of quickly, like we, we just noted getting all those rim touches the last or paint touches the last two games. It, it's that the floor is wide open when Randall's off the court. And and to your point, I think Jericho, even a little bit better than Mitch at having the awareness of how to generate that spacing. Um, it's a conversation for another day, but to your point, I'm, I, I had a blast watching this game. I, even, I had a lot of fun watching the Suns game. Uh, and I am very much looking forward to the rest of the season if we get more of this. I'm looking forward to Quentin Grimes coming back. Uh, and I'm okay if the Knicks lose some games because it's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but that is it. For this edition of the Lockdown Knicks podcast, thank you so, so much for tuning in. Um, Again, please throw us a subscription, throw us some likes, throw us some comments on YouTube. We love the interaction. Until next time, be good. Peace out.